Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas on Friday, October the 20th. And welcome to our commentary. Welcome to an absolutely beautiful day here in North Texas. And it's going to be even more beautiful this afternoon because the Rangers and the Astros will play game five of their series. They're tied right now 2-2. So whoever wins this one will take a 3-2 lead to game six. And of course, the series will move on to Houston. So a lot of great baseball to watch, and we're having a lot of fun. There's nothing like baseball in the month of, uh, of October, so we wish the Rangers the very best, uh, of course. Got a couple of things I want to talk about, a couple of posts uh, that, that I had over at the American Thinker, one that uh, was available Friday morning today, and one that will be available Saturday morning. But before I do, let me just give you a quick reaction uh, to President Biden's speech. I think if you just look at the speech itself, it, it didn't, you know, it wasn't that significant. I'm not saying it's bad. It was not a bad speech. I don't mean to put it in those terms, but I don't think it's going to change a heck of a lot, uh, hearts and minds, that is, in the country. I, I think most people by now support Israel. And I think the more controversial part of the speech was, of course, the situation in Ukraine where, you know, I think a lot of Americans are asking, why are we fighting in Ukraine? And I think that's uh, the part where I think it's going to be more controversial and more difficult. He will get it. He will get it because I think there are enough uh, Republicans, frankly, uh, to give him the vote on Ukraine or at least the funding for Ukraine. But I think the, the Democrats, the Republicans, I mean, are going to have to demand something with respect to the border. Uh, they should say, okay, fine, we'll give you the money for Israel, we'll give you the money for Ukraine, but there's got to be some changes on the border. And I think that should be the negotiating position uh, for the Republicans. Of course, at the moment, the Republicans do not have a speaker. Makes it a little bit difficult to negotiate if you don't have a speaker. And that's another story, but I think I've told you before how disenchanted I am with the Republicans on this issue. This shouldn't be this difficult. And Jim Jordan, I mean, what else do they want? The people who are voting against uh, Jim Jordan, what exactly are they looking for? What kind of a speaker do they want? I mean, I think Jim Jordan would be exactly uh, what most uh, Republican voters would be looking for, a well-spoken man, a man who's direct, and a man who's going to fight for conservative principles. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure what they're looking for. And why I think they had a vote today, another vote today, and he didn't make it again. And again, I don't understand what's going on. I, I really don't see uh, what the strategy is here. You've got eight to 10 Republicans who are basically holding up the House. And I don't get it. I don't get it because it's giving the Democrats an opportunity to talk about the Republicans when we should be talking about them. We should be talking about what's happening in the country and, and overall issues. So the Republicans need to get their act together in the House and get a speaker. I would be fine with Jordan. I would. I was okay with McCarthy. I'm okay with Scalise. I mean, at some point, you simply have to move on and take, uh, take somebody and make them a speaker. And I think the key point that Republicans need to remember is that the objective today should be to expand your majority in 2024. That's the objective. Expand your majority in 2024. Right now, you've got a majority of, I think, 10 votes. you got to make it closer to 20 so that you can govern 
uh, a little bit more effectively and you can get more things to the Senate. And speaking of the Senate, if you want to check out our interview that we have with Richard Baer from the American Thinker, it's the video before this one. You know, he's optimistic about the Senate uh, prospects, meaning the GOP Senate prospects. And I am, too. When you look at the map, you got West Virginia, you've got Ohio, you've got Montana. I think uh, Nevada is, I think, going to be very competitive. So you've got some good possibilities uh, to pick up a, a Republican majority. So if you have a, a bigger House majority and a Republican majority in the Senate and, of course, a Republican president, you can do a heck of a lot more. You can do a heck of a lot more than you can do today. But right now, let, right now, let's get a speaker and let's start thinking about 2024 and how we make this majority bigger. Because I don't care who the speaker is, it's not going to matter much if we go back to being the minority party uh, in the House. So let's get this done. Let's get this done so that we can actually do some things. Again, back to President Biden's speech. I, I don't think you'll have trouble getting money for but Israel, but I think the Ukraine portion of the speech is going to be very controversial. And that's what's going to lead to, I think, a lot of close votes in the, in the Congress with respect to giving money to Ukraine. We've already given them a lot of money. And at some point, I think the American people are going to say, how much, how much more uh, do we give you? And I think that's a perfectly uh, legitimate uh, question. I have a post over at the American Thinker today, Friday morning, talking about the story of Victoria's Secret. Now, of course, Victoria's Secret is the chain of stores across the country that sell ladies' lingerie. And uh, it's a very popular store, at least it used to be, a very popular store for women to buy things and for guys like me to get something for my wife. So very popular store. But a couple of years ago, maybe not, maybe not even that long ago, they decided to go woke. They decided that they were going to appeal to everybody, not just uh, women. And they started, uh, you know, they hired a transgender model. They had this lady, uh, Megan Rapinoe from the soccer team being one of their spokespeople. And frankly, they just hit the wall. And they have now made a decision that they're going, <laughs> they're going to go back to what they used to be because uh, to quote the CFO or the CEO, he was saying that, uh, you know, this is simply not working, what they were doing. They were losing money and so on, because the reality is that this is a store that made a name for itself and made a lot of success selling women's lingerie for women, not for other gender variations, for women. And, uh, you know, when, when you see these companies making these changes, they, they don't understand who their customers are. They don't respect their customers. We saw that with the beer company and even the other department store that went through uh, a few changes. I mean, if you don't know who your customer is and you appeal to fringe elements like the transgenders and many of these other groups, then you're going to lose business. Because I don't know of too many women who want to walk into a Victoria's Secret and shop for, uh, I don't know, intimate wear and look at intimate wear or lingerie or panties or whatever designed for men. That's not, that's, that's not what works. So I'm glad to see that Victoria's Secret, it's coming back to its senses. And check out my article over at the American Thinker about that uh, Friday morning. The name of the article is 
Victoria wants her secret back. Check out the article over at The American Thinker. I also have an article that will be coming out Saturday morning about the media in this hospital in, uh, in Gaza. You know, it's fascinating that on the day, almost to the day, that Gallup came out, the Gallup organization came up with a new study, uh, one of their, you know, one of these uh, public opinion studies that they do, showing that more and more Americans are disenchanted with the news media and more and more Americans don't believe or trust the news media. So roughly on the same day that we have that report come out, that public opinion report from Gallup come out, almost to the day you have major U.S. organizations buying into this story that the Israelis had destroyed this hospital. And, you know, it, 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 we all remember it, you know, that the, we were watching the news and all of a sudden they are reporting that a hospital has been hit, that 500 people are killed. You've got ambulances, you got, I mean, the whole thing. And my initial reaction to it was, well, let's wait and see who actually did it, because it's certainly not beyond Gaza, a terrorist or Hamas terrorist to inflict or do damage to their own people to get attention or to divert attention from the atrocities that they've committed. So they came out and we were seeing these ambulances, you know, taking people out of the hospital and all of that. And of course, the initial blame was against Israel. And you had all these news organizations. I'm not talking about, you know, little bloggers or podcasts or, you know, small organizations. I'm talking about the major organizations all came out basically saying that Israel or that, yeah, Israel had bombed the hospital and killed 500 people. Well, the evidence eventually came out and that didn't happen. And many of these organizations now have egg in their face. But, you know, you really have to wonder, you have to wonder about the intelligence of the people in the newsrooms. You know, they don't seem to be curious about anything anymore. You know, they, they don't seem to want to double check what they are reporting. I mean, they should know by now that if there's a problem in the Middle East and the terrorists immediately accuse Israel, it, it, it doesn't mean that Israel did it. They should know that by now, given all the times that this has occurred in, in the past. But uh, no, they fell for it. And now some of them look awfully foolish. And I again, going back to the to the Gallup organization, they come out with a poll saying Americans don't trust the media. Well, maybe that's because the media does things like these, like accusing Israel of destroying a hospital when they never did. They never did. But yet in the media, they were being accused of that. And of course, you have members of Congress who are even more irresponsible, like this lady from Michigan, whatever her name is. I mean, she ought to be at least called to explain uh, the things that she said about Israel and in this hospital. A couple of things from on this day in history. We say happy number 86 to Juan Marichal, one of the great pitchers in Major League uh, history, recent Major League history. He was a great right-hander with the San Francisco Giants for much of his uh, career. And we remember the great one, Mickey Mantle, who was born on this day in 1931 in Oklahoma, passed away in 1995 right here in Dallas. I think he's actually buried in Dallas. And we all remember the last couple of years of his life and his struggles with addictions and all of that and how well he handled everything in that last year of his life and how he would tell people, hey, don't do what I did when it came to addictions and so on. So his last, uh, his ending turned out to be uh, the greatest part of his 
amazing career. Thank you for listening. Everybody have a great weekend. And again, go Rangers. Hopefully by the next time we chat, the Rangers, uh, or I got good news about the Rangers. We'll see. But go Rangers, and you have a great weekend. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas.